The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. All Good right. stuff. You're ready. All right. Freddy? So you have nothing. What's up with you? You got a job now. You're sleeping in doing nothing. Yeah. This is kind of a crazy week. Yeah. The Bleacher Blums is starting and Jeff Blum, co-host of the Bleacher Blums has nothing to talk about. It is, you know, I got the contract. I've hit my comfort zone. I am now shutting it down and I'm going to lean heavily on my co-host, <laughs> David Tuttle, who had all of, all of the last week to recover, recuperate, study up in Montana I guess the first thing we do is obviously talk about how was the trip, dude? Was it everything you anticipated? Are you refreshed? Are you ready to attack the new year? You know, a great question. Hello, Blum. I know I saw you last week when I was on vacation. You were not. You were heavily into negotiations and, you know, mm. you know, putting commas in there, crossing out, you know, T's and dotting I's and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, very refreshing. That's the, one of the reasons we go up there. I think I mentioned last week, the silence is golden. I mean, that's a that's an odd thing to say on a podcast where we just yap, <laughs> talk each other's ear off. But uh, silence is golden up there. It's really quiet and refreshed. But, um, but the most kind of, the thing that stuck out to me over the holiday this year was the kids got out of school late. I don't know about your girls from high school. I know your daughter was home from college, but um, they got out like the 22nd or the 23rd. And so we kind of had family in town and Christmas and all the hustle bustle and the hubbub. And then January 1st hit, and that's kind of when our vacation started. So although we're kind of back into it now, I do. I feel refreshed, recharged. I felt like the vacation, I've, I don't think I've ever said this, you know, coming home from vacation is always nice too, you know, sleeping in your mm -hmm. own bed, getting the laundry done. But the actual vacation felt longer, not shorter. And I haven't had a vacation. I can't remember a vacation in the last 10 years where you got home from vacation and you were like, damn, that went quick, right? Like that's always the <laughs> response. Can you remember a vacation for you that was like, you were like, yeah, that was a real, it was a real vacation. Like it took, it took, uh, we got to relax, we got to decompress, but it actually felt like we had more vacation than less. Yeah, it depends on where you're going and what you're doing and who you go with. You know, I've had, you know, we've had, we've done like the couples vacations over New Year's where you kind of get a group of people, you meet up in Vegas or you meet up in, you know, rent an Airbnb and you all hang out and, you know, celebrate the New Year. Those, some of those have been very good just because you're reconnecting with different people and you're not, you know, it's not the, 
nothing against the family, but it's like it's new, it's new faces, it's new voices, it's new interactions. So it's kind of refreshing in that sense. But it's kind of funny that you bring it up because this trip that we took, our trip for Christmas to Park City, Utah, we got back and our girls were like, that was a long trip. You know, and I think it was because it was it was cold. You had to layer up every time before you went outside. Uh, you know, skiing and snowboarding is an actual physical activity. So by the end of the day, you're freaking spent. Uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a work. You know, it's a workout to go do the snow winter stuff. So when we got back, we were like, man, dude, I'm gassed. I'm so yeah. glad we're home. Like you said, my bed, my laundry, and do that. But I've had trips where. I've definitely said we've been gone for five days and I like, like, uh, Maya Coba, I love going down to Mexico. I'm a huge Mexico fan, but there's been trips where I'm like, yeah, I could live there. You know, that's how good the, when a trip goes well is when I get back to my house and I go, I could live in that place we were just at. And, and Mexico was one of those places for me down on the Maya Coba, that, uh, that Gulf coast side, just South of, uh, the Yucatan peninsula, you know, that, that's a place where I could really like crash for a while. And like, I would look into properties, but, um, you know, and it, obviously it, it, it's, it's, uh, deprived of the routine of everyday life. And I think that's kind of when you have that, uh, when you have that vacation where you unplug and disappear and it can actually escape that's the one you want to continue a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what, I mean, you mentioned Mayakoba, but that's how I felt coming back from Montana. Like, nice. we're not going to buy a property there. I mean, it was, you know, like you said, with Park City, like 15 degrees most of the time, you know. <laughs> and when you have the power on and the fire going, it's great. But if the power goes out, you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> like we got to get the, you know. I mean, so there are definitely definitely challenges with cold weather. Um, but uh, anyway, that's our usual weather report. We should have Jim Cantori on here. We were talking about him earlier. Oh, we got to get dude, some weather seriously. report. But uh, yeah, back and excited. So yeah, so so let's uh, let's we have a couple topics. Like you said, I came up with some topics, but I do want to. I don't know if we're going to be able to close it out on this podcast, but the Carlos Correa saga continues. Um, it's really unusual, and I know we don't have answers, but you know this Dear is one. God, of, what is going on? Yeah, this is one of the best players in baseball by far. I mean, he is in the category with the guys that we've consistently talked about. You know, the Trey Turners and you know the the Bogarts, Xander Bogarts. I mean, he's you know arguably better than most of those guys, which is why his deal was going to be longer and more lucrative, but. Uh, it now looks like the twins. I read on the athletic this morning. I mean, who knows with Boris putting stuff out? But it now looks like the twins are back in the uh, in the good graces. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that they saw him play last year in the same condition that he is now. Um, you know, I don't foresee them going. I guess they offered him like ten two twenty or ten two fifty. I don't see him signing that long term deal with them, but I could see him flipping this and i think we've discussed this before i'm getting into contracts you've got me to get on spot track i love it but <laughs> i see him doing something similar to what he did last year which like his average annual value i think he'll flip it so instead of instead of what he negotiated with the giants or the mets which was longer contract with less average annual value to kind of get more players in you could see another two-year three-year deal at like the highest average annual value you know somewhere in the 45 to 55 million dollar range um, similar to what he opted out of, which is hilarious. He opted out of the three-year, whatever, 150. Uh, he's probably going to 
probably going to sign somewhere like a two a two year like ninety five or two year like one oh five with them or something like that. So um, I don't know if you read the article, but what do you? You're laughing. You're laughing your ass off. What do you think? This whole situation is crazy to me, dude. I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around it because what you said to start the conversation is that Carlos Correa. And if you go back to that lockout situation, he was negotiating. His free agent year was during a lockout situation. So he's waiting for a CBA to get done. He expects to get paid. Yes, he got a short-term deal with opt-outs at $35 million a year, which is gorgeous. It looks great on the, you know, on the stat sheet saying, oh, my annual average value is huge. And then he got to the point where he was like, I'm going to opt out. This free agent market is perfect because I'm the best of Dansby Swanson, Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner. Those guys are going to push the market. And then I'm going to come in at the very end and I'm going to get my 13 years and $350 million And everybody's going to go, ooh, that's a great contract. Squashed the Giants. They're like, nope, we don't want it. We saw the medicals. We're out. And it's amazing that there was something in a in a position player's uh, medicals that knocked him out of the contract. That's a rarity in itself. Usually it's a pitcher. You know this. Tuttle, elbows, shoulders, impingements, staples, stitches. I mean, there's things going on on pitchers that you're like, we're going to have to take a chance on this guy. But they said no to Carlos Correa. Less than 48 hours later, he's a Met. All of a sudden, he's got a bigger deal. Uh, he's got an extra, what, 12 years, 315 million, and he's moving to third base. We're like, okay, that's where he's going to be. Poof, it disappears. The medicals come back bad. And now we're talking about going back to the Twins. I think it's interesting what you said about the Twins have experience. They know what this guy does to get ready to get on the field. We know that he has this issue. We played with him. He was great. But now we can use the medical against him to say, we're going to give you a shorter-term deal, higher annual value to come back to Minnesota. What what is going on? I don't get it. It's unbelievable. I can't wait. I don't know if we'll ever know, but I want to I want to know. I want somebody to step up and go, this is what we saw in the medical and this is why we we uh deleted these these massive contracts. I don't what what's in there that is so awful that you can't sign this guy. It's unbelievable to me because you you nailed it. He is yeah. He's arguably the youngest and the best of that group, and he can't get a gig. Yet Nathan Avaldi, who's had two Tommy John surgeries, is getting a multi-year deal with the Texas Rangers for you know twenty million a year. So where where's the hangup, and what do you do? Yeah, I think I think the that's the length of the contract, and that that's the risk there, right? That's what they're looking at. But I I would agree with you. I mean, why not do something more incentive laden? And maybe Carlos and Scott Boris aren't interested in incentive laden, but. Uh, you know, I don't know. I agree with you. It's one thing to talk about like Odell Beckham, right? Who had two knees, right? He blew out his knee and then he blew out his mm-hmm. knee again. And then he was trying to, you know, maybe come back for a playoff team. I think it's, I think Carlos hasn't been injured. I mean, he's played 140 games, whatever, three years in a row. I mean, this isn't, this is almost like they're waiting for the dam to break or maybe it's too much money. I, I don't know. We talked about this a lot and this has kind of been the hot stove topic du jour, but I mean, he's a cornerstone player. Like if you get him mm-hmm. in your franchise, like I was saying, the giants are missing that type of guy. If you get him into your franchise, he becomes the identity of the organization. And I don't see anything to your point. And maybe this is HIPAA again. Like I said, I work in the medical field. So yeah. maybe they're just, we know by law, there would be a lawsuit, right? If they came out, 
if the team came out, uh, Carlos would have to say what it is that's the hang-up yeah. uh, on his own. They can't come out and say, well, we saw like his third metatarpal is, you know, whatever. So I I, I don't know. I think we're going to continue to talk about this. And uh, it's, uh, it's kind of amazing. So um, I guess the last question here before we jump to something else would be, where do you see him landing at this point? Which is the question I asked you last time. Like, where do we where do we see Carlos Correa actually ending up? Uh, it's going to be a buzzkill for me if he ends up with the Twins because the Twins, it, the Twins are the Twins. I mean, I don't want to be derogatory towards organizations because I love Rocco Baldelli, who's the manager of the Minnesota Twins, but the. If, the AL Central is just unappealing as it is. I mean, the, the Guardians continue to go out there and win, yet they have a lower payroll than the Chicago White Sox, who I anticipate should be very good, but they never end up performing as well as they can. The Minnesota Twins sneak in there, but there's nothing sexy about them. And adding Carlos Correa to the Minnesota Twins still doesn't make him sexy to me. I don't, I don't know what it is. I think it's going to be a letdown for me if he goes back to Minnesota because it's just going to be like, oh, He's back in Minnesota because he played well in Minnesota, but they weren't extremely good. They weren't a yep. marquee matchup just because Carlos was on the team. You know that I wanted to see him on the Mets. I wanted to see. I want to see these. Uh, what do they call them in the NBA? Like your Warriors. You know when they have these just power franchises that just go out and sign these crazy dudes and go out there and whoop up. I want to see if the Mets can do it with Carlos Correa. I want to see him at third base. That's a story to me. Him going back to Minnesota. Nah, yeah. yeah, all right, way to go. You know, it's it that's how it's gonna be yeah. for me. I don't know how it is for you. Where do you well, do you see him with a surprise team jumping in? No, I, I actually like what you said in that it makes me think of the twins being the twins would be a holding pattern like they were this year. Every I yeah, think everybody kind of knew call. the three year hundred and five that he was gonna opt out this year. It's a holding pattern. He's not the twins don't I don't know. I mean, obviously in the heyday with the uh with the, you know, the Kirby Puckets and the Kent Herbecks and back that time. I mean, they were uh, a franchise to be um, kind of respected and revered, but mainly because mm -hmm. they had um, the Central locked up. But they were, you know, they had they had a solid team and a lot of that was grown from within. I just think if Carlos goes to Minnesota, it's not the same feeling for sure as the Mets, but even the Giants. If the Twins offered him 10 years, you know, 300 million, and they said, we're going to make him the cornerstone of our franchise and we're going to like increase our payroll and we're going to get some pitching, like that's what happened to the White Sox. The reason the White Sox are relevant is because they're exciting. I mean, they have some really exciting young players, but I, I agree with you. I think that's not what the Twins' philosophy is. That's not how they would present it. And so, again, it would be another stopgap. It would almost be, hey, give me a good contract where I can opt out in a year or two and see if I can go to a real place. But I think, what I, I don't know if it's, the franchises, but we all know, like, you know, now that the Astros have made kind of the uh, third coast, uh, a, uh, a really legitimate baseball, you have, you know, your Dodgers, your Yankees, your Astros, you know, you always have the, the Red Sox count in there, but you know, those are the, the franchises that you want to see in the playoffs because they spend the money, they're in the playoffs, they're in the hunt. And, um, I just don't see that happening with the twins. So to your point, it would be like letting the air out of the balloon. So, you know, I, I think the giants are out on them. Uh, the Mets is still a possibility, but I, I, you know, I have no idea what the holdup is. And this is a really unusual circumstance, uh, obviously. And that's why we talk about it every podcast. Every podcast. And you know what's crazy? I mean, they, we don't know where Carlos is going to go, but uh, we know who won the national championship. 
what in God's name happened in that championship game? Tuttle, what were your thoughts on that, man? Georgia absolutely bulldogged or bulldozed the Texas uh, Christian University Horned Frogs. I, I expected them to win, but I didn't expect them to win in this grand of fashion. Did it did it tarnish the championship at all for you, knowing that they won by so much? Not at all. I I, I put a lot of thought into this this morning. We were uh, at the gym talking about a couple of different things with guys. This reminds me of now college basketball. So you can say NIL, but college basketball every year now, the final four, the final eight, the elite eight, this is how college football is going to look you know, record it, market, Marcos. Um, I'm going to say every year it's right going to be Ohio. Podcast. Hey, there you go. Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Those are your three schools. Every year they're going to be in the playoff or in the you know the top five, and then you're going to have your one team next year. Probably USC is my guess because they have the number one pick at uh, you know quarterback um, Caleb Williams. Um, stud and he transferred, there's going to be a school that gets all the transfers um, where they're going to get fifth-year seniors. They're going to get all the guys like, hey, don't you guys want to make one last run at it? You know, I mean, it's so odd to watch Oregon. Oregon with the guy that quarterbacked Auburn for four years and he's coming back for a fifth or sixth year at Oregon. I'm like, like this guy was an Auburn guy. He beat Alabama's freshman year, which got him on the map. And now he's like, the quarterback of Oregon, like which, where's your loyalty? So I think, you know, you know, Sonny Dykes well from Cal. He's a kind of a quarterback whisperer. I, I, I believe he had Aaron Rodgers and then Jared Goff or just Jared Goff and then some other guys in there, but um, certainly a quality coach. But you look at TCU, like this guy used to play here and this guy was here and this guy stayed at the school, you know, because he believed in whatever TCU. So we stuck it out. There's going to be one team like that every year in the hunt. So to answer mm-hmm. your question, I wasn't that surprised that they got boat raced. Um, I think Michigan is kind of that um, – Michigan's always that fake. I love the way Harbaugh plays, but he doesn't change for anybody. Michigan's always kind of the <laughs> fake um, – they're going to be in the top 10 every year, but they're going to be a fake contender for the national championship in in my mind. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have your Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and then one team that just does the, like, we'll take this fifth-year senior, we'll get this guy in the transfer portal, we'll get that, and let's make a run at it. And I think, you know, TCU kind of caught lightning in a bottle, but I really wasn't that surprised. You know, when you watch the end of that game, which I kind of turned it off at halftime, but then... Uh, my daughter's soccer practice got rained out. I turned on the last five minutes and they put number 22 in there and they put the backup quarterback in there mm-hmm. and number 22, they're like, yeah, he was a five-star recruit. He's the third stringer, <laughs> 42 <laughs> yards untouched, like 40, you know, you're like, oh yeah, that guy's pretty good too. So guys are going to Georgia, Ohio State and Alabama that they know their third string when they first get there, but those guys are better than most of the guys on most teams in college. So back to my college basketball analogy, every year there's an elite eight or a final four team that's like all fifth-year seniors, all those guys, you know, they transferred. <laughs> this guy rode the bench at Kentucky. This guy didn't have any scholarship offers. And now they're at McNeese State, and McNeese State is in the final eight. And you're like, oh, how'd that happen? Well, they got 22-year-old dudes that are taking it seriously. That's what I thought of T. TCU. So anyway, that's a long roundabout way, but I, I don't, I'm not that surprised. And I think we're going to see this trend continue. What say you Blummer? Uh, I agree with you in the sense that I think that, you know, with this, they, they've got to rein in this transfer portal because we're now with the NIL money, it's not just scholarship money or playing opportunities. Now it's like, 
you know, we've got booster money coming out of our backside. Come on over and play for us. It'll be great. So you're going to see those guys who have a red shirt year, a medical red shirt year, a COVID year. And then they're going to be a, like Stinson Bennett. The dude was like a 30-year-old quarterback in Division I football. This guy could move into a in, into the NFL and just be like a lateral move and be older than like six or seven quarterbacks are playing in the NFL right now. So it's crazy to me. I agree with you. And it could be, you know, like there's going to be guys that like, well, I've, I've exhausted my opportunities here. Now it's, the, you know, the, the sophomore blue chip is going to take my job. I'm going to transfer to Oregon. I'm going to go to Utah. I'm going to go to some other, you know. UT and play at Texas all of a sudden, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to challenge a, a national championship or propel this team and get my opportunity. And you will catch lightning in a bottle because it's all it takes. It, you know, as well as I do, we've watched enough sports, played enough sports. If you've got experience and you've got health, you're going to go out there and compete and maybe force the issue. And if you get in football, shoot, if you get eight or nine guys in that same category who are over overachieving with the opportunity and they're healthy, you're going to go out there and surprise and shock people. But I like the idea of the extra playoff game because maybe, maybe TCU gets blown out in the second round instead of the national championship. And I think that might be the idea of the playoff uh, being expanded to, to eight, six, eight teams to get to make sure you get to the teams that deserve to be there. You know, it was a fun experiment, but I think it got a little overexposed with TCU beating Michigan. But apparently you feel the same way that Michigan would have gotten blown out in that championship game also, because if TCU's exposing you, imagine what Georgia would have done to Michigan is kind of the idea I would imagine. But uh, yeah. the portal needs to get fixed, uh, somehow put limitations on this. But I like the expansion of the playoffs. But... In saying that, I'm a. Did you watch any other bowl games? The, every other bowl game was just kind of like a. Yeah, I'll have it on in the background. But there was no purpose to any bowl game other than the playoff games that were being played. No, you know it's funny. I love the Rose Bowl. I don't know if it's because now I live in Southern California. That's the one I always like, and maybe because I grew up. It was the Pac-10. I know it's the Pac-12 now, but the Pac-10 and the Big Ten, it was mm -hmm. always like a really cool, like when you got Ohio State versus USC or something like that. Or I love that game. This year it was Utah. I think, was it Utah and um, <laughs> yes. not Oregon again? It was Utah and, uh, oh, Utah and Penn State. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't even turn it on. I love the Rose Bowl. I didn't even turn it on the TV. I was like... You know, I mean, especially Utah's quarterback got hurt, but I was not interested at all. And I think to your point, that expansion will draw more eyes, but I, I don't know. I mean, you can circle back to what you said. You're telling me that an Alabama-Georgia national championship wouldn't have been better than what we watched last night. So now you're a ratings person or whatever. Alabama didn't even get in. Mm -hmm. and they were frustrated. Saban was on the studio show sitting oh, next to those guys. I bet he, he was like, mother, bitter. mother. <laughs> he's like, we, he's probably like, oh, I could have like, we could have done this. We know Stetson Bennett's going to do this. Like anyway, just tendencies. So I, I agree with you whether they have to fix it or not. I mean, if they expand it, I think to your point, that's a good solution. It'll be better. If they leave it at four, we're going to see Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and then one other team every year. It mm -hmm. could be Clemson. It could be you know a TCU. It could be USC. We're going to see one team that everybody talks about. Yes, they're in. They got a chance. But I do think the little engine that could story, if we see that two or three years in a row, then th that's going to make a huge um, – the, the committee will make a huge push to expand the playoffs. 
Yeah, but I think to your point, the reason you expanded is so you can get the two, the two lost Alabama team in there because they're more appealing and they're going to play better. And if, and if you get good teams like that who maybe you know had a couple of hiccups throughout the course of the season, it still makes for riveting TV and eyes on the game if you have an Alabama in there. And I think that's the idea of expanding those playoffs because right. you get the Alabamas in, but you also, like you said, you're going to get that that surprise team like you know a couple of years ago with Cincinnati, or if you go even further back, the Boise States. You know, oh, yeah. some of these teams that just figure it out, play well, sneak in there, and then get exposed. Or you get the Alabama who makes the adjustment, plays well, and you get some of these marquee matchups. But so I think that's great, and it's a shame the bull the Bulls yeah. the bull season is gone. I think it's it's depleted. There's no money in it. You're pouring mayonnaise on guys. It is that's not how you're going to get fans watching a bowl game is pouring mayonnaise on guys or hot sauce or whatever that particular condiment of the bowl season that looked is. Yummy. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I felt like uh, Lloyd Christmas. Did you watch you know, dry so heating as I'm watching? Let me it. repeat the question. Did you watch any of the bowl games? I mean, I agree with you. It's gone, oh. but I'm assuming based on your statement that you oh, didn't really turn I lied. On. Yeah, I'm a liar. I didn't watch I'm a liar. I watched uh, Arkansas, the, the Liberty Bowl. That's oh, what I course. watched. You did. Yeah, they beat Kansas in yeah. like quadruple got, overtime or Didn't something. they lose? They were up big and the yeah, but they well, were up were, by like three touchdowns. Oh, they, they were up huge, into yeah. A, Sam a Pittman let, let, it, let him come back and tie it up. And I'm yeah. sitting there going, dude, can anybody play defense here? And then all of a sudden it went to like quadruple overtimes. And finally the the Arkansas Razorbacks walked away with the Liberty Bowl championship. But yeah, that was the only one I watched for obvious reasons. You know, it nice. wasn't like. Which meant yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And you had your Arkansas sweatshirt. Woo, Suey. All right. Woo, woo, Let's uh, Suey to a uh, commercial break here on the Blue Air Podcast. Oh, Woo Pig. Suey. Uh, <laughs> on the Blue Air Podcast Network. Um, you're listening to the Bleacher Blums podcast with Blummer at Blummer27 on both Instagram and Twitter. Myself at Real David Tuttle, both Instagram and Twitter. We'll be right back. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right. Welcome back here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, Bleacher Blum's podcast. Um, Blummer, we were just talking about the college football playoff Um and uh, one wanted to finish up with the NFL. The playoffs are going to start this week or this weekend. And um, out here in LA, they've been talking about Sean McVay possibly stepping away from the Los Angeles Rams um, to either look at a TV job or take a you know a year hiatus or whatever. And you know, you and I have talked about 
consistently talked about how baseball has affected our life, like grinding and like toughing it out and having, you know, shitty days, but being able to kind of, you know, see the, see this, whatever, see the sunshine through the, through the dark clouds. I, I, you know, I don't, I'm, we're not in the clubhouse. We don't know a whole lot about what's going on, but Sean McVay is like two years ago, or Dude. I mean, he took him to the Super Bowl. They lost to the Patriots. He got a little, you know, slighted for that, but then they won the Super Bowl and the guy could do no wrong. He's doing Campbell soup commercials and, you know, chunky soup commercials and he's doing everything right. And now he had a, whatever, a five and 12 season or a six and 11 season. I think they were five and 12 or four and 13. I mean, they were terrible. And you can blame injuries. You said this before health, experience, those two things help. But Aaron Donald missed the last few games. Obviously, Cooper Cup got hurt. Stafford, they never even said he was injured. I mean, I know he was kind of injured, but Stafford played about three or four games and then just shut it down. He was like, well, <laughs> I mean, he must have been hurt. But it was weird because a couple of years ago, they did the same thing to the running back. Remember the Georgia running back that was like, oh, they never dude, said anything girly. about his knee. And then they were like, what's, yeah, Gurley. I, I like, and McVeigh never said, oh yeah, he's our guy. He like fell out of favor and then he never to be heard from again. And I feel like McVeigh has this like upbeat, energetic, positive attitude thing, but he'll just bury guys. And Cam Akers this year, he they had some differences. Well, guess what? When they were four and 10, Cam Akers came back and they hand him the ball every game and he had a hundred yards. I mean, he was running like a man possessed. It was like, what is wrong with the Rams? So <laughs> I guess there's a question in there, but McVeigh is this young, energetic coach who basically banished Jared Goff and traded for Matt Stafford and won a Super Bowl, and he looked like a genius, and hey, this is about results and performance. Jared Goff didn't even know he was getting traded. He was down in uh, your favorite place. I guess he was down in Mexico or at a resort, and they found out he got traded. He had a resurgence this year, a fantastic year as a quarterback, looked like the 1-1 pick that he was, number one overall pick, and McVay looked like he couldn't coach, and now all the rumors are coming. I mean, what do you say about that? Because we like consistency. like We like people that own up to their mistakes. We like people that grind it out. Is Sean McVay the coach that everybody thinks he is? And, you know, I think Jared Goff came out looking uh, much better than Sean McVay after a season like this. It's amazing how quickly that dynamic shifted. And everybody thought that, you know, it's, you know, you you always watch the, uh, the the thrillers and the the military movies where you know there's a certain you know lieutenant makes a bad decision he gets shipped off to Serbia or you know Siberia somewhere at this outpost where he's never going to be seen again and that's what it felt like with Jared Goff he was an one one got this massive contract was good enough to get him to the playoffs good enough to get him to the Super Bowl but wasn't good enough to win it and everybody said oh it was Sean McVay the system this the system that. And then you put Stafford in there. They win the Super Bowl in dramatic, you know, in grand fashion. Cup is firing. Donald is sacking everybody. You know, it's it's glorious times in new SoFi Stadium with the shiny new coach, like you were talking about. Two years removed, you you ship off Jared Goff to Detroit, which everybody was like, oh. He's gone. Career's over. He's just going to disappear into infamy out there in in uh, the Siberia with the Lions. He ends up in a great situation. He's got great personnel around him. He's maybe allowed to play a little bit more and be a little bit more free with what he was doing just from my eyes. 
granted they they didn't make the playoffs, but he made an adjustment and got better. And then you see the regression of the of the Rams. And we've seen this in other sports where teams are good enough to win the Super Bowl. It's very hard to repeat. And then you add in the injuries and you're going, okay, we've got a couple of excuses built in. We're tired. We played a tough season last year. We got the Super Bowl. We got injuries. But where's that drive in a coach who says, I want to create legacy. I want to be able to bounce back. Look, we had injuries. If we make some good acquisitions in the offseason, if I get so-and-so healthy and we maybe re <clears throat> retweak our system a little bit, we're going to go out there and we're going to compete. We're going to be right back in the playoffs and everybody will forget about the last two seasons. Where's that mentality as opposed to going, well, what if I just go sit in a booth and talk about football? There'll be no pressure on me, which I can agree. There's no pressure in the booth because you win every day because you get to go home. But where's that competitive nature? Where's that fire? Where's that drive? And he, he's, is he even 40 yet? He's not even 40 years old, I don't think. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he's 30. He was the youngest coach in the league a couple of years ago. He's 36, 37. You know, we're not statistically whatever, but he's definitely under 40. It made me think of- Keep going. Uh, yeah, it made me think of Mike Tomlin. So this is the stat, and I don't have all the stats, Love but Mike Tomlin guy. has never had a year uh, below 500. And this year he was like one and four, and then they were three and eight or three and seven. And everyone's like, all right, so this is the year. Mike Tomlin has all the excuses built in. You know, he was going to go with, uh, he, he finally ended up going with Pickett. Mm -hmm. um, who's the, who's the number two pick? The guy that they've grabbed from the Bears. I can't even remember now. Trubisky. Anyway, Trubisky. Thank you, Mitch Trubisky. Started the year for them, and they were in they were in struggle. You know, struggle bus. They were struggling. And Mike Tomlin finished the year with a win over the Browns at nine and eight. He's never had a year below five hundred. I mean, he. I don't even think he's ever. He's had a winning record every year. He's been the coach of the the Steelers. That is a guy. I mean, when they're three and eight, you can just pack it in three and seven. Like, look, this is a year we have the excuses. That guy does not make excuses. They're in the business of winning football games. The town demands it. The organization demands it. And Mike Tomlin demands it. I would like to see a little more of that in anybody, right? And I think that's the other piece of Dan Campbell. Everybody got to see him on the uh, out the the HBO show. Um, what's the? Damn it, my brain's like I'm lost. Hard knocks. Hard knocks. And everyone was like, You're they were like, the, still. yay, buddy. They were the <laughs> darlings of the, um, the darlings of the NFL though. Cause everyone watches hard knocks. Right. And all those guys go into fantasy. They're like, I love Dan Campbell. I'd run through a wall for that guy. And they start out one and five and you know, everybody kind of got off the bus. No, the guy's super consistent. He's kind of a rah, rah guy, but the capture, the energy thing is there. He's smart enough to know when to push and when to pull. I really like to see, I mean, it is really hard to bet on the Lions, as you know, but I'd really like to see where the Lions are in, you know, two years or three years down the road because I think they have the right guy in place. And Dan Campbell has a lot more of Mike Tomlin than Sean McVay does. And I, yeah, I was just disappointed. I'm not a Rams fan at all. Um, it was a it was a good story because we like Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford came from kind of a a toiling organization in Detroit. But this kind of looks like it could work out for everybody. But I think the Rams were trying to – it looks like the Rams sold their soul for the one championship, whereas I think Detroit, Pittsburgh, some of these other teams are doing it right, which is building the way the Astros did, right, you know, from within. So it'll be interesting to see. But I'm not I'm not happy with uh, what I see from Sean McVay. And maybe part of that is what you said, the fact that he's not 40. There's a little immaturity in there and a little bit of, uh, you know, eye on – you know, he's got – 
he's got too many offers and too many opportunities. He's not focused. So I don't know. I was disappointed. Um, I don't know. It sounds like you saw the same thing, right? Yeah. No, I, I'm disappointed. I, I loved what Tom, Mike Tomlin is a great example. That is a guy who just refuses to give in, and he's had his opportunities. I mean, with Big Ben leaving the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, he could have said, you know what? This might be the time. I'm going to go to. See you later. I mean, but this guy continues to to expect more of himself, the organization, and his players. And uh, kudos to him. You know, I think it's amazing what Tomlin's been able to do. But I am disappointed. You know, you're in L.A. I know it's high profile. It's sexy. It's 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 all glamour. But losing a couple of games is not should not be disappointing or discouraging to you in any sense of the word because that's an organization in a market like st- that can go spend some money so figure it out and go out there and create that legacy i mean now you're going to be remembered as the guy who won the super bowl and 2 years later quit is what it what it looks like and i, I just think that's too that that's just it, it's just sad because you work so hard to get that job at such a young age why not create a career out of it and uh, continue to go out there and compete. And you, hey, I got to give you credit this season too. Fantasy football, I know it didn't end the way we wanted to, but dude, congratulations on uh, eventually being the runner-up in our fantasy football season. You grinded it out and proved your worth, man. That was a great season for you. Congrats. Thank you. After a lot of losing, I, uh, I yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. It was just a grinder, right? See, you got to coach your team the way Mike Tomlin does, not the way Sean McVay does. That's where I was at. And you, you know, I think our league was interesting. The number one seed won, and that's fair enough. I mean, that that's most consistent, you know, performer. But the five, six, and seven seed, myself, you, and um, another gentleman, were all in the final four. So I think it goes to show, right? Like if you're doing mm-hmm. the transactions and you're focused on firing the team up and doing the right things, good things will happen. <laughs> that and a lot of luck. <laughs> yeah. That hey, always um, comes out nice. last thing I want to leave you with because, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to leave you with is uh, the vacation brought something to light that I was maybe not so focused on before, which is, you know, all your girls are of the same age. So you have three backseat drivers possibly, but uh, my son has been driving this past year and, you know, we get the rental car and we'll go here. So now it's not only my wife in the car saying, Hey honey, why don't you turn left here? Let's go this way or go that way. I mean, there is a, and you know, maybe this is personality and maybe family as well, but there is another driver in the household (laughs) And another person that has strong opinions about which way you should go somewhere, the fastest way, the best way. Oh, how come you went this way? And I realized it more and more as, you know, obviously as he gains more experience as a driver, but mainly when I'm on vacation and we're kind of like, hey, dad, do you know how to get where we're going? And I'm like, yep, I do. Don't worry about it. Like you inherited your, you know, your, your map genetics from me. I got this. You know, we don't need to, you know, we don't need to figure it out. But I just, vacation became more apparent. He's like, no, turn left there. Oh, why are you going this way? How come we're going that direction? I'm like, because it's the way I want to go. I've got the steering wheel. Like, anyway, so I don't know if your daughters are just on their devices or if anybody cares or, you know, I don't know if Park City was that way. I bet you probably drive with them less, which I certainly do. So Mm -hmm. my son drives himself places, but man, the more drivers you have in the, in the household, I guess the more challenging it becomes. Absolutely. And, and where did two years of knowing how to drive all of a sudden trump my 30 years of driving? 
Why, why is that just because you got a phone and you looked it up on your app and you said, oh my gosh, dad's going the wrong way. There's traffic, there's construction. Hey, bro, I've been doing this. I've been sitting in this seat and guess it. We talked about choices last week. Guess who made the choice? This guy. And if you don't uh, want to deal with it, you sit yeah. up here, I'll sit in back and I'll start chirping in your ear. There, Because you... Have, being a parent and driving as hard as it is, I mean, there's, I mean, there's Navy SEAL training where you're you haven't slept in a week. You're you're lying in the shore break with a Lincoln log on your chest, and you're like, this is terrible. How about getting in the driver's seat with a bunch of ten year old kids in the back, just screaming, Snapchatting in the middle of the night, and it looks like a you know a club, and it's strobe lights in the back of this car, and I'm trying to stay in the road, and then all of a sudden, like you said, they learn how to drive, and all of a sudden they've got the best route to target. You're going, dude. I have been doing this for 30 years. And if it ain't the perfect route, guess what? We're still going to get there. You're not going to save 30 seconds going the other way. Yeah. No, the backseat driver thing, it's a, it's obvious. Oh, and it's even, it's nice. It's, it's gotten to the point now where, you know, you look in the rear view mirror and they've stopped saying stuff, but you get like the, the arms crossed and then all the roll of the eyes and the looking out the window going, like that questioning face, like, what the hell is he doing? I get, yeah, I see it and I hear it. <laughs> I love it. I finally got you fired up with a question. You know, planes, planes, trains, and automobiles when John Candy's driving. What? You're going the wrong way. He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. And the guy, he's like, you're going the wrong way. And he's like, thank you. He doesn't know where we're going. He's like, you're going the wrong way. But you get the eye roll and the arms crossed. So you get the, like the disinterested, like, <sighs> I'm not even going to say know anything. That's he's funny. So with three girls, yeah, three or four girls in the back has got to be worse. Tyler, he we had a bigger car, and he was way in the way back. And he's like, mm -hmm. uh, Dad, do you know where you're going? Uh, do you want to make a right up here? So here's one thing, and this is old man Tuttle. Old man Tuttle does this. I don't like GPS. Like, I don't put my thing on a magnet and check it out. It's like, like you go to the stadium every day. Like, I don't look to see if there's a yellow construction zone or a red spot or whatever. I'm like, I like going this way. I try and go when there's no traffic. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I know it's like five miles here, turn right on this road and go left over there. Like, I, I got that. Like, I don't like to be looking at my phone and, oh, where's the ways? Like, traffic. Oh, get off this exit and go. I don't do that. It makes me feel anxious. In your head, you already have the alternative route. Yeah. So I, it makes me feel anxious, but they, to your point, they, those kids, they, they've they learned kind of on GPS and how quick this is. And, oh, there's construction over there and the toll road's closed today. And you're like, oh, I didn't know all this information. Stop. You're making me, you know, part mm -hmm. of it creates some anxiety as well. But I just, I couldn't believe it. It just stood out to me. You know, you asked me about vacation. That's something that stood out that I thought, uh, you know, the listeners might appreciate, which is like, you know, there's no talking, there's Snapchatting, there's phones, and then all of a sudden a, a voice. Voice from the back seat, like out of like God's voice. Turn like, turn left, turn left here. here. Where are you going this way? That's much faster. You're like, oh, you guys. I've been driving for 40 years. Yeah, it's true. No, that's good. <laughs> that's stuff. all I got. I need to get yeah. that off my chest. 
No, that definitely tore a scab off for me. Yeah, you poured a little alcohol in that wound, <laughs> and uh, it brought up some very distinct memories of driving. Um, but uh, we appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Remember to get out there, rate, review, subscribe, continue to you know spread the word of Bleacher Blums. We're having a good time. And of course, at the end of every podcast, we like to tell the military that we appreciate them. All their hard work and efforts are not going unrecognized here in the bleachers. We appreciate you both home and abroad, having served in retirement as a veteran. We appreciate you, all of the first responders, all of the police, fire, uh, EMTs, nurses, doctors, essential workers. Every one of you means something to us, and that's why we get on here, and that's why we remember you at the end of every podcast. Teachers, continue to grind. Just back from that Christmas break, you've got one more semester until you get your summer break. We appreciate you. Continue the hard work, and as we will too, Tuttle. Nice. Um, we talked last podcast about word of the year. Um, oh, yes. And I just thought I'd throw mine out there. So mine this year is focus. Yeah, focus is my my word of the year. And really meaning just like pay attention when you're in the moment, right? Like we all get distracted. I was getting a text while I was on the podcast. I'm like, no, deny, deny. Like <laughs> I want to just pay attention and be engaged and focused in most of my interactions, all of my interactions. So my word of the year is focus. Um, please, if you guys have a word of the year, if you listen to the last podcast, you know that uh, instead of doing a resolution that you can't keep, uh, a friend of mine started a word of the year. And I think it's kind of a, a, a nice little reminder and a nice little tool to get you through the year. Um, as always, uh, as Blummer said, we encourage you to, uh, uh, if you're over the age of 45, to get screened for colorectal cancer and Get after it and believe it. Believe it. Do your job. Do your job. You sum of a bitch. <laughs>